0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is A's cast live your comprehensive look at the
0: Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field. Going back Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews and 29 other MLB clubs.
0: High drive, deep left field left Guerrero lifts one to left field And gone! Oh, Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center Alonzo defends his title The 2021 Derby
1: Champion
2: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe From OPS Plus,
1: to juiced balls, to game-changing moments We have you covered Spend your afternoon with us, next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Happy Friday, everybody. It is A's Cast Live. It's going to be a brief A's Cast Live, but it's going to be fantastic. I can guarantee you that. Coming up here in just minutes, former big leaguer, Doug Glanville, of course, had a great career, now broadcaster, writer, professor. We love having him on. He does it all. He'll be here at 3.05, and then David Forrest, the general manager, will be here for the general manager's show. And I can guarantee you one thing, just not my show, but I think every single show out there is talking about what happened last night in Iowa. Yes, it was great watching the A's pound, and I mean absolutely pound the Guardians yesterday, 17 to nothing. But what happened at the Field of Dreams game and what we got to see on television. And you're going to hear a little bit today and tomorrow. Roxy Bernstein, our buddy, called the game from e- uh, for ESPN. It was a really special moment for our game. You know, this we're talking about one of the iconic movies of its time. It's one of the great baseball movies of all time. It's one of the great father and sons and family movies of all time and Kevin Koster one of the biggest actors uh, of his generation, and to take us all to Iowa, mm-hmm. not New York City, not Los Angeles, not San Francisco, not Chicago, Philadelphia, but to Iowa. And to create a baseball field that I truly think, and we'll ask Doug this, and I already asked, uh, asked Roxy this, I want to see this every year. You know the A's are always a team that tells Major League Baseball, "Hey, we're 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 up, we're up for Japan, we're up for Australia." I mean, the A's have been to Japan 3 times. You don't think the A's would be in? I would be way in on going to this. When else am I ever going to go to Iowa? It's not going to happen. I mean, I don't unless there was like someone I don't know Gonna be getting married. It's not the commander because commander's getting married in Monterey. Uh, I, if it's not a marriage or a death, I have no idea why I would ever go to Iowa. I haven't covered per I haven't covered college sports in a long, long time. So to be able to go there and that stadium was just incredible, and I'm so glad that they left the old stadium and they left it all alone. So if you go there, you do get to experience what the movie was actually like. And they kept the house that was Kevin Costner's house. If you build it, they will come. So you get to experience all of that. And then you saw the maze and the path that leads over to the new stadium. And they built that new stadium to look so old school, but it's modern. And Cody and I were texting and I'm like, I think, Cody, you said you think it's only going to be one game. I'm like, there's no way this is going to be one game. They didn't build that for this for one game and see you later. I, I I, bet you at some point we'll look back and every single team in Major League Baseball will play in this stadium.
1: Well, I think Joe Buck said on the broadcast last night that they Commissioner Rob Manfred committed that they're going to play there again next year. And we've seen this a few times now with baseball where they they played the game at Fort Bragg on the East Coast. Where they played a couple of destination sites and they haven't played there again. Uh, they but played Mexico City, they played in Cuba, London, Australia, last Australia,
0: Japan. Or, yeah, the London game, which was horrible at Wembley Stadium.
1: Five hour long games with the Yankees, Red Sox. So you couldn't you couldn't pick two worse teams to play in London that were gonna have marathon games. But if you're trying to grow the game, those are two good teams to have there, but you know their game's are gonna go forever. But the the scene last night was awesome. The game was even better. Uh, if you wanted to have a scene with players who look like players from the 1920s, Lance Lynn was the perfect pitcher to have on the mound for the, the embody the 1920s. His body, the beard, the the beer belly, everything—it was perfect the way that was that all worked out.
0: If there was only one, what would worry me? I'm worried the ballpark might be a little bit of a bandbox, uh, but last night. Doug, great to have you on the program once again. We're, we're just talking about what we saw last night is we all as baseball players remember Field of Dreams, how special that movie was, and to see everything that happened last night. Boy, did Major League Baseball knock it out of the park. What would you think?
3: Yeah, well, when you think about iconic, I, that's the word I always use for Field of Dreams. I think of it as iconic, and that just means it's representative of you know, how baseball kind of created this, this spirit of, of hope and change and, and sort of the core elements of how you think of baseball being this sort of spiritual connection uh, that you know, all of us fans share. And I thought they did a, a nice job of just recapturing it. It's something we're all trying to reflect back on, especially in these times, we've been kind of indoors and on Zoom a lot. We're looking back at some of the nostalgia of our life and, you know, it's so nice to, you know, be able to reimagine it in a way, yet man- maintain some of the core sensibility. Uh, you know, that's something that is always part of baseball, whether you're building, you know, Camden Yards, or, you know, historic stadium or whatever you're doing, you're always having this sense of we're looking back, but we're also looking forward. So I thought they did a nice job of, of bringing that together.
0: Don't you think that every franchise and every player, if we did this one time a year, would would all at one time of their career want to do this?
3: In the short, yes, I think they would love. I know if I played, I would love to do something like it, or you know, think about other examples. Well, Bull Durham was one of my favorite movies, for example. So I I did play actually where Durham played back when the bull was there um, in in a ball. So I, I think it's great to be part of that history. It's it's something that baseball is great at with all the storytelling it's what separates baseball from so many other sports that certain history and how it's always stays alive, like playing for the Cubs or the Phillies, all the classic players, they were always around. You know, I saw, in fact, there were coaches many times. So I played for Larry Boa, you know, Greg Gross was my hitting coach. Uh, You know, Gary Maddox came to my wedding. I mean, that's baseball. And I love that about the game. And I think that, you know, having a chance to be part of the nostalgia, and, and bringing it forward is, is a great thing. You know, I played in Iowa for two years, not in that particular field, but I played in Des Moines for the Iowa Cubs. Loved it, you know, loved it. And um, the people were great. We had a packed house, 10,000 strong at Taylor Stadium. We had good teams. I went to the Iowa State Fair to look how big the cows and the pigs were. And, you know, I was all in, you know. And, and so when you connect the dots between the game and what it means to the community and what it means to the memory of the sport, you know, then you, you know, you are in some ways, you know, keeping the game alive through the next generation by reminding it of its great past. And I always appreciate that.
0: Well, now the number one question I have for you, I got to take you back to Durham. Did you hit the bowl and get a free stake?
3: I didn't, but I, I had this really rare accomplishment. I made probably one of the best plays of my certainly minor league outfield life. They had a kind of a rock warning track. And I made this over the shoulder grab. Um, and. The, the, the announcers liked it so much. I actually won the play of the game, which is supposed to be for dorm Bulls players, but they gave it to me as a visiting player. <laughs> which, so, so I got a. I think I got a gift certificate to a restaurant or, or a steak or something. Uh, it wasn't the bull, though. The bull, by the way, in real life was like 500 feet away on top of the roof. It was so far away. It wasn't that right field short porch shot that you saw in the, in the movie. So very different bull.
0: Well, uh, you want to talk about a bull and a guy that has shown up to Oakland and has been crazy, mm-hmm. Starling Marte, in 12 games yep. the days. He's hitting 415, three home runs, nine stolen bases, a 1,041 OPS. I knew he was good, but there's something about it. And talk about where a guy gets traded and he turns it on and wants to show his new teammates how good he is.
3: Well, no doubt. I mean, he's he's been overall an exceptional player. He's had a lot of good years that he's put together and, you know, shown showcased a lot of skills on both sides of the ball, the base pass. And he has revitalized. And sometimes that opportunity comes where you just get a fresh start. You have a chance to win. You're bringing something that your skill set is so uniquely needed to the team. You, you know, stolen bases and speed. Um, I know Oakland's probably in the you know middle of the pack, 40-some-odd team's throwing bases. He rattled off nine in like a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, he's an electric player. And, you know, that is, you know, you talk about genius trades and, and great moves at the right time. He's, uh, you know, hit the jockpot there.
0: Oh, well, you know, I joke all the time on the show about, you know, in the Moneyball days, we couldn't talk about bunting. We couldn't talk about stolen bases because that was basically outlawed. And when he started doing all this, yeah. we're looking around going, are, are they allowed to do that now? And now, <laughs> and now everybody's doing it. You, you, Elvis Anderson is stealing a lot more bases. Mark Canna, you got a Matt Chapman. It's like everybody yeah. saw Marte doing it. And they go, I can do that. And now everybody's <laughs> running. We're the running A's now. It's unbelievable.
3: I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, look, I have a tremendous appreciation for, uh, you know, Billy Bean and, and what Oakland has brought to how we find value in the game. I, I, that's an important uh, addition to uh, baseball and, and what it's meant, uh, certainly when you're evaluating talent and trying to build teams. And, and that's important. But I know that there's an element of it that uh, can be unintended. You, you do create a risk averse environment because you start to say, well, should I steal third? Well, if I make it on this particular count in this situation, I've increased our chances of scoring a run by 20 percentage points. So that's good. But if I get caught, I decrease our chances of scoring by 40%. So once you start looking at that in that in that kind of term, then you say, well, I'm not going to steal at all. And what it's done is it's zeroed out those minority reports that actually are some of the more exciting parts to the game. Uh, they get you out of the seat. There's some things you can't exactly quantify, about what it does when a player gets traded steals nine bases and the whole team's like wait a minute I can run too that's havoc for any pitcher they they can't get in their rhythm they start you know runners are in scoring position automatically because they're running themselves into it and yeah the occasional out happens and and you know but that's the risk reward you weigh so i think that that is something that when a team has skills like the a's that can beat you many different ways And you're not using all of those ways. You're you're doing your team a disservice. And I think it's been great to see that they've recognized that. Wait a minute. We actually have these skills. Let's use them.
0: I don't know if you have noticed, but we've talked a lot about it lately on the show, how so many of these pitchers, they're not holding runners on at all. It's like they don't even – they don't care – and it's like, why not take advantage of this, especially the relievers who are all coming in trying to throw 100 plus miles an hour. They're not paying attention. It's like, every don't you think everybody should be running if you're not going to be checking me at first or second?
3: Well, you're speaking my language as a base stealer guy, um, no doubt. But what, ha- what happens is the focal point becomes, let's say, the three-run home run, right? I mean, the singles are way down. Hits are down. Batting average is down. So you start to say, well, I'm not going to get three consecutive hits off of like, you know, Jacob deGrom. It's just not going to happen. So I'm going to play to hitting the home run. You know, I'm just going to try to, because first of all, there's a shifting defense everywhere. And the A's, by the way, are in, you know, top eight, top 10 in shifting. So once you start defeating yourself in that way, you say, well, <clears throat> I'm going to sit around and, you know, hit the home run and, and just sort of wait for it. So when you play that, the pitchers start to go, well, I can't make this mistake. I'm not worried about this runner. Let me just focus on this because they are trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And that's what happens. And so as runners, your job then is to exploit when they overcompensate and then focus to the point where they're ignoring something that you can use to beat them. And I think that's exactly what the A's are doing right now.
0: Yeah. We got to sprint to the finish line right now. And obviously we saw how good the white Sox are last night. Field of dreams. Mm -hmm. We got a four-game set with them on the south side coming up here after this series with Texas. Uh, Tampa, we know how tough Tampa is. They've now got a five-game lead. Boston's still there. New York kind of still there. Blue Jays. I mean, the best race is Houston. Leads the A's by a game and a half. Who do you like trending? Other than the A's, who do you like trending right now in the American League?
3: Well, I mean, there's there's so many examples in terms of who – know, can come out of the woodworks and, uh, you know, I haven't really looked at the schedule strength, but, you know, the A's are the team that's, that's smoking hot right now. I mean, it's hard to, to deny that. What is it? Seven in a row at this point. And, uh, you know, Houston's been a juggernaut. I think that there was a little surprise to that because their pitching was kind of younger and he said, well, you know, I don't know. Every once in a while you look at Seattle and you say, wait a minute now, who are these caps They're coming, they're coming. And then they kind of lose three, four in a row. And then you kind of take them off the map. So there's there's sort of teams where you look at and you look at the East, you have, you know, whether Boston, Tampa, New York is kinda finding some swagger there a little bit, and, and so they're a team of, of definite concern too. I'm watching those teams that are kind of in the middle of their division, but you know, starting to figure out they're outscoring their opponent and they have an upside. That's what I'm I'm worried about in terms of you know who the A's might get, you know, uh, challenged from because when you come down to it these last six, seven weeks of the season, it might come down to your schedule staying healthy, and, you know, guys getting hot at the right time, and that can sort of fall to any team that has a lot of talent.
0: How about your Phillies having a half-game lead over the Mets, a game lead over Atlanta? This this NL East has been crazy.
3: Completely crazy, and part of it is they, um, you know, the Phillies have probably the weakest schedule going forward, and that's something that's played to their advantage. They haven't exactly lit the world on fire. They haven't played good defense. A lot of stuff is is wrong, but they're starting to at least play where they're not playing down to their competition. They're realizing that they have an advantageous schedule. You know, the Mets are without the Grom. They've made some moves. They've had some injuries. and, And so they're kind of been ripe for the taking. The Phillies sort of took them. So, you know, a lot of baseball left, but it doesn't seem to, you know, that division doesn't have the strongest teams out there. So, you know, it's looking like the West, you know, minus Tatis Jr., uh seems to have a lot of the chances of being able to, at least the NLS, that could get possibly the, the wild card teams coming out of there. You know, Milwaukee's been running away with it for a while. You know, I was just in Chicago calling the game the Cubs-Brewers, and I watched the 10 nothing game and the 17-4 game. The Brewers were just, they were on fire. So that's definitely a team to watch because they can flat-out pitch.
0: You know, put your professor hat on. How's the school year going to go for you?
3: Oh wow! You know what? I I feel like it's. I wish I felt more comfortable as to what you know. Saying like, oh, we're in the new year, feels a little bit like last year. But so I'm hopeful that,
4: you know, I have four kids
3: and they're all different grades, eighth, seventh, fourth, you know, everywhere, and um, I'm hopeful that we can kind of get through it and and uh, have a good year. But you know, it's a tough time for all of us. You know, we're unprecedented time. That's why something like Field of Dreams and you know, these are things we kind of need to remember and go back and, and touch on again to to just remember not so much like the what, you know, what makes up baseball, but the why. You know, what what's the inspiration to what we're doing and why we're doing it. And uh, and I think the more we capture that, it helps us deal with the pandemic. It helps us a little bit deal with being kinder and gentler to our neighbor and and our our common our common friend. And um, and that's to me what is great about baseball. quite Frank. You're always looking out. Uh, for the next generation and in that shared space.
0: Well, every time after you leave this show, I always say this show is smarter because you were on it. I always appreciate your time. You do so much great work in so many different ways, and we always promote everything you got going with Jason Stark and all your broadcasting and and education. But uh, thank you so much for the time. Be safe, and let's talk soon.
4: Absolutely.
3: Let's do it. And Oakland fans should be really thrilled. You have a great team. So we'll keep it up and look forward to seeing the postseason. Take care. All right. Take care.
0: Doug Glanville. He writes for The Athletic. He's got the podcast for The Athletic. He's a broadcaster for the Cubs. He's still at ESPN too, right?
1: That's correct. He is.
0: And he teaches at UConn.
1: Yeah. He has the Cubs job with Marquis. Like you heard him say, he was calling the Cubs game the other day. I sent you an email uh because there was he was mentioning the Mets there's Mets news that came out today uh my guy Jacob degrom shut down for two more weeks with elbow inflammation so people are starting to speculate possibly his second Tommy John surgery
0: if he goes down to Tommy John because that means he won't be back next year
1: no so he won't be back till 20 uh, 2023 he'll be like uh who like glass now so unless he gets the
0: real sympathy votes, and they try and pull the he was great for a short period of time, but, but that short period of time, he was great. This is, I mean, he's 32 years old, or has he
1: turned 33? I think he's 33, because I saw someone say he'll be 35 if he comes back. Okay,
0: but yeah, I mean. He's 33, yeah.
1: He turned 33 in June.
0: Great pitcher. But has got hardware. How many he got, two?
1: Uh, I don't think he's one.
0: Has he one, two? I think he's one, two.
1: Pull it up. Yeah, you're right. He has one, two.
0: Yeah, he's one, two. He's been dominant. But he doesn't have a whole lot. He's not, he's not that, and I hate to say, workhorse. He's a horse. But, you know, you barely get 200 innings from him. He gets pulled night after night in the sixth inning. People like Cody whine and crying. Well, he didn't get the win because the bullpen. Another Tommy John. Great arm. Phenomenal talent. But I don't know if the body of work will be even close to get you into the baseball Hall of Fame. If, and we're speculating, if he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery.
1: I just pulled up his page for this year. And by the way, the other news for the Mets is they just put Javi Baez on the injured list with back spasms. So Lindor out, Javi Baez out, DeGrom out.
0: And they're sitting there going, and Jed Lowry's got 61 RBIs?
1: Yeah, that's... If you're
0: uh, a and, Mets fan, that's just got to fry you.
1: DeGrom was 7-2 and two this year with a 1.08 ERA. Oh,
0: you were talking history. You were talking about how great he is. You were like... you. You were like president of the DeGrom fanboy club. Still still am. And someone had to reel you in. And once again, here he is. Not going to give you a lot of innings. Hey, ERA's great. But body of work, the entire body of work is what puts you in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think his body of work is ever going to be like Sandy Koufax. Like Sandy Koufax's dominance wasn't for a long time. But it was so dominant that he went right into the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, his I was looking at it. He has uh, his war this year is 5.1. So his career war already, he's only started 198 games in his career. His war is already 44 if you round up. So you figure he comes back and he has a couple good more years. He gets pretty close to that 60 threshold. But I don't think uh, – everyone talks about how he could. he's probably going to go in. I, I don't think he has the body of work to go in. And I'm one of his biggest fans. Well, and we we have
0: we have seen whether I mean how many guys have we talked about recently whether it's Chris Bassett or Kendall Grayman or whoever that it the, the Tommy John surgery it's not that simple not everybody comes back from it people struggle with it and you're talking about this this is going to be a 35 35 year old with his second Tommy John it's not like Ver, Verlander number one this is the second one. I hate to see it. You you don't like to see these guys go down, especially the premier players in the game. But uh, definitely pretty sad. You know, something I should have asked Doug, but we'll get him on again. I'm going to print this article out. I'm going to ask everybody this. So ESPN.com came out with an article. Jesse Rogers, friend of the program. There's a paragraph that says, Ask any major league player, what is the top priority is as players union and MLB attempt to reach a new collective bargaining agreement before the current CBA expires on December 1st. And you'll often hear a version of the same answer. Get all 30 teams to compete every season. Love it.
1: But see, I, I agree, but then when so Ken Rosenthal talked about on his podcast the other day about how there's been talks about expansion for the playoffs for next year, and players are saying they don't want expansion because that means teams aren't going to want to win. They're, it's going to de incentivize winning. No, it's not. That's going to want. That's going to make teams want to win more. If if totally. I, I think it's the opposite, I think yeah, I think that teams are going to want to win more. And I think it's funny that that whole thing comes out about uh, the playoffs and expanding playoffs when the Yankees and Red Sox are teetering on it, not making the playoffs this year. So, oh, we got to expand the playoffs. We can't have the Red Sox, the Yankees, not make the playoffs.
0: If, if you can show me a sport that has struggled because they expanded their playoffs, I I, I let me know. Let me know. Baseball traditionalist out there, shoot me a line and let me know how much the NFL has struggled with more playoff games. It's cost them ratings and money. Hey, how about expanding the NCAA tournament to 64 with with now a bunch of playing games? Uh, Have they lost ratings and money? Tell me about the NBA. Tell me about hockey. Tell me. Tell me where expanding playoffs. Well, that's not what it was like when I was growing up. I don't like it too many teams. You could have a 500 team in. Uh, is college football hurting for more because of more bowl games and expanded playoffs? Money's not rolling in for college football? You can't show me one example of major sports in the United States of America where expanding the playoffs did not generate more interest, didn't generate better ratings and didn't generate more money. Can't show me, right?
1: I'm pretty sure uh, Brad Pitt said it best in Moneyball. Adapt or die. I mean, it's essentially what it is. You got to expand. You got to change the way your game's played. Look at, we were talking about the Field of Dreams game and how well everyone talked about it. It was the highest rated regular season Major League Baseball game in 15 years. That's how well it did yesterday. Everybody was watching that game last night.
0: But wait a minute. You can't have baseball in Iowa. <laughs>
1: I, I did see a funny, really a really funny tweet. The Yankees are the first team to ever lose in Iowa.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like the outdoor games where the weather was really bad in hockey. Uh, so what? So what? So what? The, you know what? You, you, you know what the problem is? All right. I'm getting blown up right now. Uh, Bob Melvin, two o'clock tomorrow. Fine.
1: Uh, should work for me. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to watch Trey Lance play tomorrow, but I should be fine.
0: My Raiders on Kron tomorrow. How about that? Get the news off. It's Raider football. Uh,
1: over under one series played by Derek Carr. (laughs)
0: There's 32 teams in the national way. There's 31 teams in the national in the national. I'm screwing this up. There's 31 teams in the national football league. And then there's the Oakland Raiders. We used to play out before every game. Now that's cool. Trey Lance should he'll play some football's back. This is the best time of year, man. Football and baseball at the same time. Don't give me that basketball crap. Don't give me that hockey crap. Give me baseball and give me football. That's what I love. All these people. Well, what about the tournament and the NBA playoffs and Steph Curry? No. Give me the gridiron and give me America's pastime.
1: Speaking of love, uh, I put on MLB Network today. The A's were getting love all over MLB Network today. Uh, MLB Now, BK wasn't in. Scott Brown was in for BK. But a lot of love for the A's on MLB Now and uh, MLB Central or MLB Rundown. We got the
0: GM of your Oakland Athletics coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: com streaming from the East Bay A's cast live continues with Chris Townsend
0: and it's time for the David 4 show right here on A's cast live and David if you build it they will come
4: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say if we win then then people will come I, I I guess there was a game on TV last night but I was more focused on our game in the morning.
0: Yeah, I I, I thought uh, yesterday what major league baseball did. you get a chance to watch any of it?
4: I did. I saw a little. I keep an eye on the Yankees uh, just in case it becomes relevant. But yeah, I saw a little of the game. I did. I did catch the ninth inning with our our good friend Liam. But um, yeah, it looked like a looked like a lot of fun
0: you know, the A's have always been open, you know, three times going to Japan. I know open to you know, like Australia, I could could you see something since this, since this went so well, could you see this being an annual thing? And, and would you want to take your ball club there?
4: I'm sure they're going to do it again. I mean, I know the commissioner said last night that they're, they're going back in 22. So we'll see, uh, we'll see whether it's annual or not, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, we've always felt like showcases like that, whether internationally or domestic, are great for the game, and we've always been up for going.
0: You know, these uh, close wins or close losses can be brutal. How do you like a 17 nothing game for your ball club on a getaway day?
4: I, th- I think we all agree it was the most we've seen Bob smile uh, in game in, in <laughs> quite some time. So. It was, uh, yeah, it was a nice respite after a, a long stretch of close games.
0: Yeah, and especially, would you say, for the standpoint, you're, you're playing a lot of games in a row and you get everybody in the game?
4: For sure, yeah. I mean, we, we, we've got 15 straight. Uh, I looked dicey early on in the first one with with Sean Scufflin, uh on Tuesday night, but the bullpen picked him up, and then, Montes and Bassett did their thing the next two nights. So it allowed, allowed the bullpen to uh, kind of spread out the workload. And, and yeah, everybody got in yesterday. Um, you know, we, we, had to get, we had to get Harrison out of there. Um, but, um, but hopefully we, we, we stay healthy through this stretch. I know Bob's got some planned off days for guys here in Texas. And uh, just kind of keep the wheels going.
0: How is Josh right now?
4: I think he's all right. It was uh, hopefully we got him out of there before it was anything more than just a little tightness in his quad. I think you know obviously he's not in the lineup tonight, but uh, I, I think we're, we're expecting to see him over the weekend. So hopefully he's doing fine.
0: Starling Marte has been all world in 12 games for you. He's hitting 415, two home runs, nine RBIs, nine steals, well over a 1000 OPS. Is this one of those cases where a guy gets traded to a new team and he's just flourishing and wants to show his new team his skills and how good he is?
4: I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy who sort of feeds on the the spotlight, and um, and we're benefiting from it. To be honest, he uh, you know he he made a splash right away when he came over and. Uh, he's, look, he's he's a free agent at the end of the year, whether he stays with us or ends up somewhere else. He's he's obviously very motivated and um and it's been a lot of fun to watch.
0: And all of a sudden, well, you know, early in the year guys were stealing bases when you started talking about Ramon Loriano and Marcana. But now ever since Starling showed up and he's stealing bases at will, it seems like other guys are starting to do it a little bit more. You're kind of becoming the running A's. How much have you liked that?
4: <laughs> I like when we're safe. Um, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think guys have sort of had the reins on them and you know, they look around, look over at Bob and say, hey, this guy's going, how come I can't? And and the answer is always, if you can get there, you can go. So uh, it is, uh, you know, Elvis Elvis talked a lot in the spring about bringing sort of that mentality over here. And we've got guys who, who can pick their spots and uh, it seems like Starling can do it at will. And if everybody else, joins in when, when it makes sense, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. I always love that. Oh yeah. You can go, but you better make it.
4: Exactly. Yeah. We, we've got that, uh, that attitude on a lot of issues out there right now, but um, you know, not only stealing bases I and mean, we saw the hit and run yesterday with with chap on first and Elvis putting it through the hole. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going right, right now with this team.
0: No doubt you've outscored the opposition 54 to 17. During this seven-game winning streak, you mentioned Matt Chapman. I said, you know, very good series. How about he walked five times in a game, tying an Oakland A's record? So, I mean, that to me, I gotta believe he's seeing the ball better. Uh, Do you think we're gonna see a turnaround from him now going forward after this series? Yeah,
4: I hope that that's an indication of what's going on. I mean, we saw look, we saw in June a little. A little spurt from Matt as far as uh, swinging the bat better, and and then you know kind of slowed down. But uh, walks are always a good sign, like you said. Of seeing the ball well, understanding the strike zone, not trying to do too much, and um, and hopefully hopefully Matt rides that momentum here and you know starts to uh, starts to lengthen out our lineup a little bit.
0: You know, I think he's got something that that you can't teach. And that he is just a winner. You know, if he goes zero for four and the team wins, he's good with that. And he's been like that ever since that ever since he came up. And you know, there's there's a lot of guys. The team could win. They go zero for four, and they're going to sulk. You know, in their locker. Talk about what a leader, what a winner he is. And did you see this coming out of Fullerton when you drafted him?
4: He, you're, you're absolutely right. He is that guy, and and he relishes. in in the wins. He's the guy in our clubhouse, you know, when we're at home and and we win a game, no matter what he's done, he's the guy leading the post game celebration right now. And, and, you know, kind of taking on that role. Uh, I mean, look at the play he made the other night with Chafin on the mound in the 10th inning, Rosario smokes a ball. I don't think any other third baseman in the game right now makes that play. And that's, that's the difference in winning that game. and, And who knows where it goes? So, you know, he, he knows very well, uh how what a weapon he can be defensively and even if he takes an offer with the bat he always has a chance to help us win
0: well i'll never forget this of course in our thoughts and our prayers is a great ray fossey and ray fossey and jim palmer were talking obviously they battled against each other for years known each other for years and jim palmer the hall of famer asked ray fossey how good is this chapman kid Ray said he's the best I've ever seen. Now you're talking about a guy who played with Brooks Robinson. Uh, I'll ask right. you, I, th- I think he's the best defensive, most athletic, strongest arm. I think he's the best I've ever seen. How about you?
4: Yeah, I do. And and that's, you know, I, I spent a lot of time watching Shabby play and, you know, at the time Shabby was doing things that, that we didn't see anybody do see anybody else do, but, uh, but yeah, Matt has that combination. Like you said, the, the arm, the range, the ability to get on the ground. He's, he's pretty incredible over there.
0: If he had to play short every every day, could he do it?
4: (laughs) I hope we don't have to find out because he's, he's awfully good at third, but, uh, but sure. Why not? He he could absolutely play there. We're going to see it a little bit. Uh, You know, we saw for a couple innings here and there, I'm guessing we, we may see it a little bit more later on, but yeah, he could probably do it.
0: Well, and I'm not trying to bury Elvis whatsoever. We love what Elvis is doing and what he does defensively. But Nick Allen, who I don't know if I've told you this. I went to school with his mom and his aunt. We all went to the same church and school together. I'm really pulling for this kid. What do you think the Olympic experience did for him? Because right after he comes back from Tokyo, you move him to triple A.
4: Yeah, we had talked about that move uh, for a little while before, uh, and he was, you know, having such a good year in AA, and, you know, it's impossible for that Olympic experience not to just kind of elevate his play and and to go over there to to mix in with the big leaguers on that team, to play against some of Japan's best players, um, just just an incredible experience for Nick, happy that, you know, he was able to do that. I think he made, you know, the all-Olympic team, maybe the all-defensive player out there, just just a great sort of check to have on his resume and hopefully fills him with confidence as he comes back here and joins that Vegas roster. You know, we we
0: haven't talked to you about Chris Davis, and we know what a beast Chris was when he was right. You've re-signed him. You've moved him to AAA. What are your expectations for him?
4: I I, I don't think we have any right now, Chris. I, I think, you know, KD just – he wants to play. That was the, the thing that was relayed to us was – you know he he had been hitting while he was home after getting released he wanted to continue playing and wanted to give it a shot and and he wanted to do it here which uh, which we appreciate and and certainly wanted to give him that opportunity so you know he had a couple of knocks last night in his triple a debut i think we're going to let him get comfortable kind of you know work him in as much as possible and and see what he, what he can do but there you know there's no expectations on either side i think I think for Chris, it was just important to get back to a comfortable setting and get get around some of the guys he knows and get back to playing. And, and we're thrilled to have him back in the organization.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about on the show, DeGrom's getting pushed back, Javi Baez go, going on the uh, I.L. And if you're a Mets fan and you're looking at the newspaper online every day and see what Jed Lowry's doing, you got to be like you got to be kidding me. How is this possible? And we, we were talking about the other day on the show, he's he's got more RBIs than Nelson Cruz. I mean, this story of Jed Lowry, what's it like for the front office?
4: It's a lot of fun. It's uh it's nice to see Jed's name in there as much as as much as he can get out there and then to watch his at bats and also hear the stories of the other guys uh, you know, just sort of picking his brain and and having it rub off on him. I, you know, I know Elvis talked about it. You know, during during the post game the other day, how much he's learned from Jed. And uh, if you can imagine a you know 12, 13 year vet learning like that, just just think how great it is for the young guys to be around him. So Jed continues to do his thing. We continue to do our best to keep him healthy, and it's worked out for everyone.
0: You know, you look at the bullpen right now, a 1.73 ERA over the last 28 games dating back to July 7th. And, you know, when Rosenthal went down, it was like, OK, who's going to close? Closer by committee. You just How proud are you of Lou Trevino, who started out hot, then had a bumpy road, but now has become your closer? How proud are you of Lou?
4: Lou just earned it. I mean, there was never a, a conversation or a sort of designation who would be the guy, or whatever. We just kind of went into April, figured we'd see what happened. Obviously, we talked a lot about how Deek pitched well last year, um, but Lou went out there and earned it, which is which is great, and it, it makes things easy for Bob. It, it's really the way it should be, and um, yeah, good, absolutely good for Lou. He's he's become that guy. We've you know we've surrounded him and the rest of the bullpen with. These other guys who are pitching well. I mean, you can't say enough about what Sergio has done the last two months, and, and adding Chase into the mix now, it's uh, we've really seen sort of the benefits of having a deep, deep group out there.
0: So you're telling me down in Mesa, you didn't draw it up, Sergio Romo to Lutravino to close the game up?
4: <laughs> hey, somewhere somebody was was thinking about it that way. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to say no one had that on their bingo card, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been fun to watch. And then
0: you got this big left-hander coming out, and, and arm slot is different, confidence is different, A.J. Puck blowing 97-98, what are you seeing?
4: Uh, A.J. put in a lot of work over the last few months. Obviously, yeah, we, we hadn't seen him for a while here in the big leagues. He he rehabbed after those first couple of days of the season, and then just went down and, and worked on figuring it out. And, and like you said, he lowered his arm slot a little to make himself more comfortable, he Sort of reimagined his breaking ball from that angle, uh, and with that kind of velo, I mean, he he obviously has shown just in two quick outings what kind of what kind of presence he has on the mound and what kind of weapon he can be. So, as with everything, we we will do our best to keep him out there, and and I know Bob's excited to use him when he can.
0: You know, after this series, you got the White Sox and that old expression, iron sharpens iron. I'm looking forward to that series. They've got a very good team. You've got a very good team. What do you think about that set on the south side?
4: It's going to be a tough four days. I mean, that's a really, really good team. Um, Obviously, you know, we we played them three tough games last October, and they've only gotten better since then. And and they got Jimenez and and Robert back. Uh, their guys on the mound are, are pitching well. They added Kimbrel at the deadline, which was an impressive uh, turn of events. So, I think we're going to really measure ourselves up for those four games, and uh, it'll be it'll be fun.
0: Everybody's got their jerseys undone, multiple chains flying around. I mean, was that what your swagger was like back at Harvard back in the day? A bunch of gold chains. <laughs>
4: I don't remember any chains floating around back then, but hey, if, if you can back it up like Eloy did last night, I, no problem with it.
0: Well, it's always great having you on. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you next week.
4: All right, Tony. See you.
0: David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. If you watched the game last night, no undershirts. I mean, it's humid. And that's one of the reason the ball flies. The dense air, the dense hot air, the the ball will fly further. That and in light air versus what, like, we know as sea level. So, and you know this because they've done, it's not the studies in baseball. It's the studies in golf of how a ball goes through the air, you know, elevation, but it was humid. You could see those guys were sweating big time. It's Iowa. It's the middle of the country. We're talking about the Field of Dreams game. So a bunch of them, the, the White Sox guys, they had no undershirt on. They just had their jersey unbuttoned halfway down, and each guy's sporting multiple chains with medallions. I might need to change my look now that I think about it. Get me a rope. And then get me another chain with like a medallion, and be rolling around the Coliseum. What do you think, Cody?
1: That's usually how the White Sox play, though. I mean, they uh, they always have the shirt unbuttoned. Jose Abreu has the goatee with the 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 uh, rubber band in it. Uh, I mean, they they have they play with swagger. I like watching them play.
0: Lopeck's got to get rid of that ponytail, man. <laughs> he
1: looks like he looks like who the A's are going to miss this That's series. That's not uh, a good
0: look. It's not a good look.
1: Yeah, it's not a. a but hey, he throws hard and. I mean, he got miffed. I went and looked on the um the the K Zone or whatever we call it now. That
0: was a, the, uh, the pitch you're talking about was a strike. I don't
1: know. I looked on MLB on the MLB A Bad App. It it showed did it. It was a ball. Did it touch any part of the line? I mean, it was close. I mean, like it nicked. Like I mean, it it could go either way. It's
0: a strike if it hits the line.
1: There, there were some bad calls, but do you want to hear how they get? So Tim Anderson hits the walk off. Here's uh Here's how it sounded via Roxy Bernstein. Lefty Britton fires, and Anderson in the air to right. It's got a chance. Judge is back. Gone. Home run. White Sox have won the game. Tim Anderson, a walk-off homer with one out in the bottom of the ninth. And a comeback for the White Sox after the Yankees took the lead in the top of the ninth inning. So there's how the game ended. Mr. Walk-off, Roxy Bernstein. Seems like every game Roxy calls anymore, there's a walk-off. From? Cal? The Peninsula. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Well, I love when, when, we, when we talked to him, you were asking about it, and he had no idea that what the joke was.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, then his phone died, and we changed the joke on the way back uh, when we redid the interview. Roxy will be in the postgame. How long How long are we going, Till?
1: We'll go to about 3.55-ish or so. I'm,
0: I'm kind of lost here because this series has been a series of change and time changes. I guess the Rangers are having their Hall of Fame ceremony tomorrow night. Is is that what's going on?
1: I, I haven't. I have. I wasn't on that email, but I'm going to take your word for it. Who's? Do we even know who's going in the Rangers Hall of Fame? Uh,
0: I, I was there when Adrian Beltre went in. Uh, since that point, what guy is good enough to go into your Hall of Fame? I mean, basically, since Beltra I mean, the one guy is playing for the A's.
1: I'm looking at Texas Rangers Hall of Fame. Um, I might have erased it. Yeah, I got this email
0: about our start times different.
1: It actually says right here, the Texas Rangers will welcome two new members to the team's Hall of Fame, former third baseman Adrian Beltre and public address announcer – Chuck Morgan will be inducted before the Rangers game against the A's on Saturday, August 14th at Globe Life Field. So Adrian Beltre is going in tomorrow with Elvis Andrews at Texas.
0: When we were there, that was the famous storm that ruined our plane and the great Mickey Morabito had to go find a charter jet somewhere for the team to get us to Tampa. It was one of the great jobs in the history of Major League Baseball. That was when they retired his jersey and they went like 15 minutes long and you could see like A's people you 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 could tell it was getting uncomfortable like hey Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer first ballot great player honor 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 your great player but you can't go like 15 20 minutes long you got starting pitchers warming up we got to get this thing going that was the most uncomfortable ceremony I've ever seen, not from the beginning or the middle. It was the end. It was like, guys, we got to land the plane here. The plane can't keep circling. Uh, Well, it was, was that Globe Life 2 or Globe? Yeah, it was Globe yeah, Life, was Globe Park, Life 2. Park.
1: Globe Life Park.
0: Yeah. It was like, gentlemen, I understand he's a great player, but you can't do an hour-long ceremony before the game starts. You just can't do it. Well, they better not do it again on Saturday night because yours truly, as you know how much I love Saturday night pre- and post-game shows.
1: Well, how long did, how long did the Field of Dreams game go last night? It was close to eh, it was close to four hours.
0: It's, it's the style of baseball. Look how the Yankees play. It's home run or bust, take a lot of pitches. You know what? I'm so glad the A's don't play that way now. It is so nice to watch a guy like Starling Marte get a fastball middle in and turn on it for a double on the lo- a, for a double down the line on the first pitch of the at bat. It is so nice to see that. It is so nice to watch all the stolen bases. It's so nice to see balls put in play. It's so nice to every once in a while, lay down a button for a base hit play the game instead of just, let's just get the biggest dudes, line them up, Everybody swing out of their, you know what, and that's how we're going to play. Well, you know what that's led to? A not a great Yankee team, and not a very athletic Yankee team, though they walk the most in baseball. But they're in the bottom half run scored, and everybody's like, "Oh, but look out! They could, they could, they could get it going." All right. Well, you acquired Joey Gallo so he could hit under two twenty. Good luck. Good luck.
1: I believe. I was going to say, I believe that was the 17th time the Yankees blew a lead after the eighth inning. But their bullpen's so vaunted. Well, I, I mean, every, every time uh, – what was I listening to? I was listening to Buster Olney earlier, and Carl Wavich is on. And every time ta- Carl Wavich like talking about the best closer. Every time he talks about the best closer, whoa, Rodos Chapman. He, he First of all, he's not the best closer in baseball anymore. His ERA's over four, and, and he's hurt. Uh, Zach Britton's not Zach Britton with the Orioles, where he had the .5 ERA that he had before. Uh, this Oriole or this Yankees bullpen is not the same. Uh Chad Green isn't the same guy that he was a few years ago. Their starting rotation isn't the same. I mean, Jamison is pitching better. Garrett Cole is not the same guy since the sticky, sticky substances uh stuff. His area is over four, where Chris Bassett's area is over under two and a half. So that's what that's what we're looking at right now with the Yankees. I, I'm not sold on them still. There's so much they're too much swing and miss in their lineup. Uh, As you mentioned, Joey Gallo, their whole
0: their whole lineup is swing and miss. The one guy who's not supposed to be swing and miss is D.J. LeMayhew. And for him, hitting 270 is an off year.
1: Yeah, He hit 100 points higher last year in the 60 game season.
0: So the A's right now have won seven straight, 11 of 13. They're a season high, 19 games over 500. 8-1 8-1 and one in August, the best record in the majors. They're only a half game behind the Houston Astros. Pitching, you want pitching? The starters are 7-2 and two with a 2.53 ERA and a po- an opponent's batting average of 2.07 over the last 13 games. And that includes a stinker in there. And I I mentioned the A's bullpen with David, a 173 ERA dating back to July 7th. That's a span of 28 games. They're firing on all cylinders. And they're starting to hit the ball out of the ballpark again to go along with getting base hits, stolen bases, a hit and run, for God's sakes, which was beautiful to see. And they just kicked the you know what out, out of the tribe yesterday 17 to nothing. And now you start getting to that point where you have that confidence, and it's August, and it's like we got to smoke all these bad teams. Yeah, smoke the bad teams. Who's Houston playing against now? Uh,
1: The they're playing the Angels in in Anaheim. So they're playing a five hundred team. Remember, going into the I think it was going into this week, they weren't playing a team above five hundred until like they were playing the Padres a month from now.
0: It's all right. You got to play the schedule in front of you.
1: What do you mean? Shohei Otani. Well, Tony's not going to pitch against the Astros. So it's up. Patrick Sandoval against Zach Granke tonight. Funny picture on the internet. Zach Granke's kid started school today, and he put on there, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he put, a garbage man. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs>
0: All righty, that is going to do it for Ace Cast Live. We want to thank Doug Glanville and the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest. Am I back at
1: 4.05? Yeah, 4.05 for Ace Total Access.
0: Cody, great job. You have a wonderful weekend. And everybody, you also have a great weekend. I'll be back in 10.
2: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.